So today we are here with Sonia Chadburn, CEO of NACAIR. Sonia, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I was a bit nervous, but you guys have relaxed me. So oh, You're going to be awesome. Good. We're really excited <laughs> to hear, hear your story. Your notes are full of so many interesting anecdotes. We can't wait to get into it. But why don't we start off with talking about what NACAIR is and does so that people know what you're all about. Sure. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of NAC because we're a fabulous company. We're an Australian hair care company, has been in operation for about 15 or so years. So we sell on supply business, right from back bar, colour, you know, bleachers, full service for hairdressers, but also the retail element as well, like shampoos, conditioners, treatments, hairsprays, anything you need for your hair, we've got it. So we probably a bigger business than people realise. We are in about 17 countries internationally. We've got a, a workforce of about 100. Our head office is here in Brisbane. We have about seven warehouses across um, the country, New Zealand and, and Europe. So it's a it's a big operation. NAC is all about sustainability, ethics. We're a vegan company. All our products are sulfate and paraben free. So the environment and sustainability and that culture and it's that's really important to NAC and it's really ingrained within the brand. And it, it, it's really true. Everyone lives and breathes that within the company. We do all our own NPD, develop the products, manufacture here in Australia I think we're currently sitting officially at third largest company in Australia, but expect soon wow. to be number two. It's going amazing. Yeah, that, that sounds really, really awesome. I'd be interested to know, this could go either way, but uh, COVID for you guys, what was that like? Because, you know, there's a lot of logistics, it sounds like, going on around the world. Yeah. What was the two years ago or sort of 18 months ago, should I say? Yeah. Uh, what well, was it like for you guys? The timing is I it, COVID hit. Um, within a couple of months of me starting at NAC. So that was <laughs> nice, <yeah. laughs> that was a nice introduction for, for the business. But I guess from the environment that I had just come from in mining, it sort of sounds bad to say, but experiencing COVID at NAC for me was almost a bit of a breeze given what I had to deal with in my previous workplace. You know, all of a sudden NAC having to, you know, manage cash flow and all those things that come with COVID, that was, you know, bread and butter for me at the time. So I feel like I really came in at a really good time for NAC because I was able to bring a lot of those skill sets in helping them get through it. But yeah, it was interesting. It was, you know, good and bad. It was good in the fact that NAC really thrived through through COVID businesses and consumers I think were making really informed decisions about wanting to support Australian companies given what was happening around the world so NAC definitely benefited from that um we experienced really incredible growth it was you know a 30 percent growth within a very short amount of time within a month or two but on the flip side we did have some logistical problems even though we manufacture in Australia and we were more protected than a lot of the other companies especially the big multinationals who almost exclusively uh, manufacture offshore we still had the supply problems that everybody does because there's some things that Australia just doesn't manufacture raw material wise so you, you have no choice but to source that internationally and you know shipping and raw materials and so many things were just really interrupted so we, we experienced our share of that like everybody else compounded by the fact that we experienced sudden growth at the same time so we were going forwards in one way and backwards in the other and that was a nice little point in the middle where those two things collided but overall it's it's 
it's been a positive thing for NAC, really positive. There was very minimal impacts to the workforce. NAC, again, is the kind of company that, again, is really ethical and we really care, like genuinely care about our staff. Mm. And I think certainly a lot of the corporates probably don't, you know, <laughs> employees might <laughs> employees might be more of a number, but NAC really is like we call ourselves a family and it honest honestly it, it feels like a big family that you're a part of and we tried to shelter the staff as much as possible during COVID and did whatever we could to protect their livelihoods and their income and because we were so busy, the impacts on that were very short lived anyway. I think when around that April time when it all really hit, NAC like every other company was thinking crap are we going to yeah. survive this what's going to go what's going to go on how long does that cash have mm. to survive all of that kind of stuff but you know by july august we were you know plus 30 percent straight away so thankfully mm. we didn't have to worry about that for too long yeah that's amazing and uh, as i hear you talk about the culture there is it something that maybe your younger self wouldn't have thought was possible to have a culture this good in a company yes Especially from the the workplace that I was in previous to NAC, I was there for so long and I guess I probably normalized a little bit too much the culture there. Mm-hmm. And when I came to NAC, I just almost couldn't believe it. And when I first met them at NAC, I was just so blown away by the culture and I just... I, I just wanted to be a part of it. And now that I've been in it for so long, well, two years, not so long, but feels like it feels yeah. like it's been so long. So you've probably been through a bit in that time. Yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. just so important. And I think some companies probably take it for granted in that maybe it's not as important as it is, but it like it really is. I, I really feel like if you've got that culture in your business place, like the vibe and the energy is just like it really propels a business forward and you know you you walk in the middle of knack and it's just someone walking through would be thinking it's crazy town as people talking everybody everywhere but like there's such an energy and a vibe and you just can't help but feel mm-hmm. you know like pumped up and energized and want to get in it mm-hmm. like through yeah I love what you said about like, you know, when you were in a company for too long, you don't know how bad it is or how you good don't. it is. Right? You really don't know. <laughs> Until you get out. Until and you get, get into, out. Yes. I, I, I have this kind of experience. When I first started in Australia, the first company I worked, I thought, oh, wow, is this Australian culture? Then I got out and then realized not really. Mm. That was a totally different, like it was run by a control freak, not a real, you know, relaxing environment at all. Mm. And that's, that's, that's the bad thing. You don't realize until you get out and then you think i was so stupid like what was i thinking (laughs) but we've all been in situations i think where we're in something and you kind of can't see you can't see the wood for the trees yeah no yeah but you've got an an interesting story about leaving there don't you yeah yes very interesting is that the right word or interesting tough story tough yeah and you know the reason i was happy to share this and i i really haven't shared this story really mainly to anybody so it's it's kind of a big deal for me to share it because I think when you're in that situation and you know me I'm a mom I've got three young kids three under nine so pretty busy and with an executive role as well and trying to manage everything it kind of it got to a point for me where it just all became too much Mm. and I was trying to keep 
it all together and when I looked around me I saw all these you know lawyers and investment bankers and accountants and all these people and they just seemed to have their life completely organized and they had kids too and I'm thinking wow geez (laughs) what are they doing that I'm not doing so I just like worked just worked and worked and worked and you know tried to do the mum life thing and anyway the long story the short of all that is that you know at the end I've been doing that for seven years and I just remember really clearly one day I was in the shower getting ready for work and I just I just broke down I just I literally just started bawling my eyes out I was on the floor in the in the shower just crying and I just thought I just can't do this anymore I, I literally can't do another day of this and so I quit that day with no backup plan, no idea what I was going to do. But my husband just said, you know what, we'll work it out. You always land on your feet one way or another, we'll figure it out. And I did. And thankfully, the opportunity at NAT came around pretty soon after that. But, you know, like when you're in that situation and trying to juggle all the things you're trying to do, dinner, bed, bath time, homework, you know, you've got the load of what day sport day what day's library what day do kids have yeah. to do this activity you know the mental load associated with with everything else as well as work you know it's it's exhausting yeah, it's and also being in that kind of environment where there wasn't that support and there wasn't that culture it it took its toll mm-hmm. it really took its toll so you know people that are in that environment i'd just really encourage them to maybe take a step back have a look <laughs> And if they're experiencing that, to maybe not wait until they're in the shower or on the floor bawling their eyes out to mm. make a change. <laughs> well, it would be interesting to know if, if do you look back and, and see that that's what it took for you to make a change? Yeah, like I said, I was so mm. blind mm. to it. Um, I'm sure everyone else around me could see that I wasn't coping, but I just was insisting to myself that I was coping and I was fine and whether or not people actually thought this or not but it certainly was my kind of thing that thing that I was thinking is that you know I I wanted a career and I was ambitious and I wanted to have you know a successful career but I also wanted kids so Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you feel like well you've made this choice for yourself so you've just got to get on with it and make it work and I think that well, within some companies, I guess NAC's the, the exception. It's the exception for most things that I found. But some businesses are less less flexible and less supportive of people in, in those environments. And I think COVID's probably helped a lot in that respect. I think businesses are becoming more flexible and more understanding of of the, the other side that people are trying to balance. Yeah. It's so true what you said, like the COVID helped a lot, like, you know, what's happening in the US right now, the great resignation. So what I read was it's not about the salary or it's not about the benefits. It's about the flexibility of the, the place and how good they looked after the staff while the pandemic was at its peak. Mm. So people are moving for that reason. And even here in Australia, like, you know, I've been meeting a lot of people and most of people are moving. Mm. It's not because of another, ben, you know, like a bigger break or anything like that. It's for a more flexible workplace to get out of the, you know, they now see the life as life from a very different lens. Mm. And we always think that it's, it's limited. So we need to be happy yeah. wherever we are. And I wish I had have realized that a long time ago. But, you know, the benefit of hindsight and mm. I just kept on keeping on and I just, I, I just didn't realize how much pressure I was putting myself 
under and I didn't realize how much I was suffering until I literally broke Mm. one day and I had a complete breakdown so yeah I wish I had have seen it sooner but like you said sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes Mm. yeah and maybe not like not know how how bad it is at the time yeah well you become Mm. conditioned like Mm. you said Mm. you just think that's the normal yeah and you don't I guess you don't know what you don't know right Mm. absolutely yeah so so interesting and so you, you made the decision to to quit is that something that you would have done when you were younger i mean i look at your your cv if you will accountant you you've jumped around a few places so you know i'm I'm assuming you're quite a measured person you're good with numbers that type of thing and then to make this decision was that the first time you'd made a a big decision like that not really okay i'm i'm i make decisions very quickly i'm I'm the kind of person who says yes and commits myself and then i figure out later how i'm going to do that okay that's pretty much what I've done my oh, whole life. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So, so, so you do do that then, all right? You say yeah, you quit. So, I do. what's the next? You were under a bit of stress, obviously. So, the next couple of weeks, like, what does that look like for you? Well, I remember really clearly. I got out of the shower, wrapped a towel around me, picked up the phone, and called my doctor, and said, "I need some help because I'm not coping." I said to my husband, "I, I just quit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And he's like, "Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, we'll figure it out." Mm. And then. I guess I just let that sink in for a little bit. And then I, as you do, start looking around for work. And I saw the opportunity at NAC. And it was just so different, like hair care, fashion. It was just the polar opposite to the mining industry, which is probably what caught my eye to start with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm done with this. Yep. And yeah, so I, I reached out. They reached back to me straight away. And, you know, look, it was a position that was definitely a step back you know it was a lower Mm. position with you know much lower pay less responsibilities and it was like maybe taking you know five years back of my career so the the smart logical part of me didn't think it was a good idea but I, I, I just I don't know my gut was telling me to to keep on because something about it just felt right anyway so I had a couple of interviews and I met the directors and it kind of evolved from there but when I walked into NAC and like I explained to you that vibe and that culture and that energy like as soon as I walked in that first day I I can't put words to it I can't describe it I I am not like a woo-woo person at all like I don't believe in like fate destiny all that stuff that's not me I'm very like very logical but that's how I felt that day like I had this overwhelming sense of I feel like I need to be here. Like, I feel like this is me. I can't describe it, but I, I feel like I belong here. And I've never had that sense, like ever. And so I remember saying to my husband, on paper, this looks like an awful decision. I'm getting paid less. I'm going back in my career, but I just feel like this is going to pay off. Like, I feel like this is a good decision. And he's always really supportive. He's like, oh, well, if that's your gut, trust your gut. And so I did. I took a big chance everyone pro- yeah did who I worked with thought I was probably a little bit crazy but I just felt really sure that it was the right thing to do and my gut was telling me so strongly that my you know instincts were that that was one way or another where I needed to be and the directors at that stage had said to me look you're obviously overqualified for this job <laughs> but they said you know like just just come and we'll see how it pans out. They said, we want to retire in a couple of years. So, and they were very unstructured with that kind of thing, you know, like 
you know, big businesses are very structured in positions and titles. Yeah. They were very loose with that kind of stuff. So just just jump in, join the family, see how it goes. And, and, and it went really well, obviously. So, yeah. yeah, about six months ago, I got promoted to the CEO role. And I've been at NAC for just on two years now. So my gut instincts were right. I think as they always are for everybody, you've just got to be brave enough and have a bit of guts to follow to follow those instincts. Yeah. But I'm really, yeah, just so thrilled I made that risk and took that chance because I've honestly never been happier. I really am living my best <laughs> yeah. life at the moment. Yeah. I just love, I love it. That's awesome. And yeah. whenever, yeah. like I think of myself back of my, you know, 18-year-old self and you think, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? And I always had this really clear sense always, I'm going to be this kick-ass business girl (laughs) i'm going to travel around the world doing business deals and i'm just going to run a business and i kind of went the long way there because i accidentally fell into accounting which i think most people do accidentally fall into accounting but i've ended up there Mm, you know hopefully i am a kick-ass businesswoman and covid's (laughs) covid's halted the travel around the world bit but hopefully next year i'll be able to do some trips and, and and you know do that so I've ended up where I really wanted to be and yeah, I'm really proud. Yeah. Interesting you say that like, you know, sometimes we make decisions because of the noise around us, not noise within us. Mm. It looks like, you know, for a leader, sometimes you need to go with your instinct, mm. you know, your gut feelings instead of the noise. You know, noise is always most of the time opposite what you are thinking, but you know what you need. Mm. So you need to have the confidence and the kind of, you know, courage to go follow your heart and you what you want to do in your life mm, exactly if you want something bad enough it you know it always usually follows but yeah follow your instincts if you're really unhappy act sooner <laughs> rather than later mm. yeah. yeah that sounds like really good advice <laughs> uh, the uh it, you touched on there about being the the 18 year old self and looking back on that mm. you did envision this then did you did you see yourself becoming what you are now i so clearly i remember so clearly awesome what do you want to do when you grow up i want to run a business i just wanted to run a business i love traveling i literally my dream was to i saw myself like on a plane literally (laughs) on business class and just traveling around the world Mm. cutting deals left Mm. right and center i wanted to run a business i didn't really know how i was going to do that because that's quite broad running a business but I always knew that's what I what I wanted so after school I didn't really know how I was going to do that or what kind of degree even did that so I took a bit of a gap year and started working as a receptionist and then I saw a job advertised at our local council I grew up in a more of a smaller country town i Definitely didn't come from Brisbane. So did I. <laughs> yeah. And so they, the local council was advertising for a trainee accountant and it was a scholarship. And I'm like, sweet, if someone's going to pay for a uni degree, yeah. I'll be an accountant. Cool. And literally that's how I became an accountant because someone paid for my uni degree. So I started at the council. I was there for five years. I worked my way up to as high as I could within that five years and quickly realized that the only way I was going to get another promotion if, if someone retired and I was way too impatient for that so then I went into chartered accounting and the next logical step and then I I got itchy feet and I just I wanted to get out of the the town and I just wanted to spread my wings and explore and that's when I went over to London I was there for two and a half years very cool and I have to ask where where'd you grow up where was this small town Mwoolumba oh I don't know where that is it's like Tweed Oh, like okay. down from Tweedheads. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So northern, northern New, South, New South, Wales. South Wales. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And so, what about the way you pictured yourself as far as leadership went at that time? When you say you always thought you were going to run a business, did mm. you always as well, I guess, you, you saw yourself as a leader? I never really saw myself like that, but I guess it's implied within mm. I wanted to run a business. I guess I'm a naturally bossy person. <laughs> My husband bought me a coffee cup last year that says that says on there, I'm not bossy, I just know what you should be doing. <laughs> okay. um, and I guess in in my general life or you know my social circles or whatever i'm just usually that person who ends up taking the lead and organizing things it's just yeah i'm a bit bossy bossy in a good way so yeah i just always saw myself i guess in that position i never saw myself as a leader but i guess it just evolved that way you must see yourself as a leader now though I do now, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm look. I'm grateful for all of those hard years that I've had because mm-hmm. they have taught me a lot. And I don't think I'd be in the position I am now without experiencing that. So everything happens mm-hmm. for a reason, and I believe that what happened happened for a reason. And I think having that breakdown, pushing myself so hard, working in that kind of work environment has taught me so many really valuable life lessons and work lessons about how I don't want a business to run and how I don't want to act and how I don't want to treat my staff and you know it's pretty simple treat people how you want to be treated that's I can just really hear my mum saying that over and over and over as I grew up (laughs) so yeah so I think a lot of those experiences have made me a more empathetic leader it's certainly one thing I really try to do is I, I don't want any of my team to suffer the way I did so you know I, I share my experiences quite freely with them so they don't make the same mistakes that I did and I think that's one part of being a leader you share your experiences which is why I'm sharing them now so people can learn from them that's all that's what leadership is helping people learn from you rather than telling them what to do help them learn what to do yeah i think that's how you get the sustainability if they learn like you know instead of you say this is how you need to be you know needs to be done instead you know if you support them to learn then it's going to be sustainable mm. and they grow up really well mm. uh, otherwise it's like you know okay i hear it but yeah i'm not getting that exactly <laughs> and i'm i'm my style is very not standoffish but i I like to, you know, admire from the sidelines. That's how I like to describe it. You know, you surround yourself with really good people, really talented people. And if you don't, then you should change that to yeah. make make it so. But I really take the stance that you've got these amazing people around you. So just get out of their way and let them do their job. Mm. That's what you've got them there for. And admire what they're doing and be proud. And I, I'm super proud when I see my team excel and do it means that I must be doing something right (laughs) if if I'm allowing that so yeah I I guess I have a very trusting leadership style by by default I trust that they're going to do the right thing like I've put them in a position where I have high expectations and I expect them you know I've got high standards high expectations and I just expect people to live up to them and so I trust that they will unless until they show me that they don't Mm. I'm not really the kind of person who makes people earn my trust. I just give it and then if they <laughs> let me down, yeah, then I'm then they very, lose it. Yeah. Then I then they lose <laughs> it pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Why why do you do it that way? I've heard a few people do it that way, but I've had a f- heard a few people who say no, you've got to it's got to be earned and this you know, what why did you make the choice to to go on this side of the fence? Um I don't know actually. It's just probably 
my personality that I would expect someone to trust me if I haven't given them any reason not to. I don't feel like I should earn it. If you employ the right people and you've got the right people around you, and I don't know whether it's because I grew up more in a, a country setting, people a bit more trusting there. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I guess I came from, you know, that environment, that community, that family where everybody just did trust everybody and mm. you had no reason not to. Mm-hmm. So I just naturally do. I yeah, can't really explain think, it. Yeah. In a leadership game, you know, the trust is a big part. So that's the glue between you and, you know, among the, the team. So who like in any, even in the tribe like you know they trust their leader mm. that's the only thing there's no qualification or designation for the leader in a tribe yeah it is just the gut feeling of the trust and also i don't want i don't want to feel like i have to earn everybody's trust in the t- in in the company i just want them to trust me because sure. i've given them no reason not to yeah. so i hold myself to high standards and high expectations so yeah if every like you just you, you sometimes you take a risk as well as yeah. a leader. It's it's part of the game. So you take the risk and you know exactly okay what's what can go wrong, like the what the worst outcome that can happen. So if you are ready for that, so with, then you can sort that out. And most of the time they make it right. Very few times you know they might not make it, and then you know exactly this is what the the consequences. Yeah. If you are ready for that, go for it. But I think you know in in life as well, you know you. You meet someone and you become friends. You don't make someone earn your friendship. Yeah. You're just friends with them. <laughs> yeah. Or if you get it's into a relationship, point. you just like, you don't make them earn your love. You yeah. just either love them or you don't. So, um, yeah, I never really thought about it, to be honest. That's just the yeah. way I, I do things. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It makes makes total sense. And, it, and that way of doing things, I imagine, is a lot less stressful and it's a lot simpler really let's be honest if you're sort of keeping track of everyone and where they are in your um, your trust stats and they've got to work themselves up to the top of the ladder I couldn't think of anything worse like I am the complete opposite of a micro manager I just Mm. trust people do the right thing Mm -hmm. if you don't do the right thing then you know you'll know about it but otherwise I just trust that you will and and I really feel like that empowers people like they, if you trust, put your trust into someone and you empower them to do the right thing, you just watch them flourish. They really just take it and run with it. And I feel like that's when you get the best out of people. Just give them a free reign. You can pull them in if they get a little bit, you know, go outside of the train tracks. But as long as they're bumping along within yeah. the train tracks, I just <laughs> yeah. let them bump along. And yeah. I watch from the sidelines and I, you know, praise and applaud and sometimes have to get the train back on track if I oh, need to. Cool. But I just don't have time to be... Mm. wondering what everybody's doing at the proofs in the pudding if they're delivering what they should deliver and they're and they're all smashing it they're all coming up with the most amazing ideas and concepts and you know so they're obviously doing the right thing so i don't need to dig deeper than that their their output's amazing so that's it for me awesome and i'd be interested to know if you can point to any other anecdotes in your career that have formed your leadership philosophy is there anything else you can think of that you're like yeah this story stands out and that's why i lead this way now well i've not probably particularly i've had i've i've been fortunate to work with some great leaders i've had you know my fair of share of not great leaders like everybody I think has we all have yeah <laughs> but you know especially being um a female i certainly have worked with a lot of male leaders that have been really supportive and really really great and really empowering and they've always been you know you can do what anybody else can do so I've, I've I've worked with a lot of great leaders and took little bits from all of them that you know I liked and and 
look, it's not something that I think about too much, to be honest. I don't over-engineer it. I don't overthink it. I just am who I am and I'm very transparent. I like to roll up my sleeves and get in the weeds if I need to with the team. Like last Christmas when we had all those supply issues, all of a sudden all the stock came in, all the Christmas packs needed to go out. And I was down in the warehouse picking orders with the warehouse team because that's what had to be done. And so I think that I like to lead by example, which a few other you know bosses in my time have, have done. But yeah, I don't really think about it. I just get in and do mm. it. I, like I said, I, th- I think... Mm. I act and I think later. I just, mm. I, I jump in. I'm a bit, I don't know, not irrational, but you know what I mean? Like I, you I don't- You like a natural leader. Yeah. I'm not I'm not someone who thinks about like analyzes and overanalyzes and overthinks things. I'm just like, yep, good idea. Okay, let's do it. Cool. Figure it out later. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. But the other thing I did want to touch on there actually, because you've mentioned it in your notes, is about emotional intelligence and, and oh, how yeah. important you think that is, which we haven't covered yet. Yep. Do you want to give us the- your thoughts on on why that's so important yeah so emotional intelligence is i guess a a formal concept that i came aware of you know at my the end of the road of my previous job which maybe forced a few things to click into place for me but it's it's so important so emotional intelligence is all is all about it's not that you're not intelligent about emotions it's more about being in touch with not about touch with your feelings because i'm not a touchy-feely kind of person but it's it's about understanding psychology and people's behaviors and their personalities and their attitudes and and just understanding that everyone is different everyone acts different everyone learns different thinks differently has different emotions and that you have to be really empathetic as a leader to understand the other point of view. If you're having a difficult conversation with somebody or someone is going through, you've got to put yourself in their shoes to think about it properly because otherwise you don't have like a 360 degree view of what's going on and you can't make a really smart and informed choice and decision about what's going on if you haven't really thought about that. And, you know, I just see so many people and not just leaders, you know, people that I guess don't have that that connection with emotional intelligence and it's it's just so clear in the way that they're maybe um, oblivious and got their blind spots on to other people and how other people are perceiving them and you you know it's important to to know that if you're communicating with somebody how you're being perceived and how you're coming across and when you're dealing with different people to adjust adjust yourself accordingly so like if I'm and now that I've done that, I did some formal like education on that through the here in Brisbane, the Australian Institute of Management. I did a leadership course. I can't remember what it was called, but they covered off emotional intelligence quite, quite thoroughly. And now when I'm working with my team, it's really clear to me um, what kind of person they are in terms of their personality traits. And then I can adjust my leadership style to suit. I can be a bit softer or a bit more analytical or a bit more direct or, you know, like it's one size doesn't fit all. And I think that's really important for leaders to, to know. And if they haven't heard of the concept of emotional intelligence, I, you know, like just can't strongly recommend enough to go do a course about it because it's so fascinating, Mm. like the psychology behind behind it all and then I guess one one main thing that I've learned over the years is to like I said I'm not a rational but I'm a bit of a quick 
quick reactor is to not react so quickly sometimes you know like we all get sometimes an email or a phone call and it just really pisses you off (laughs) (laughs) and you know you're just hovering your mouse over the reply button and you just want to reply (laughs) and tell someone exactly what you think (laughs) and you know previously in my career maybe when I was younger I maybe was a little bit quick to do that and I can think of some times where I I just wish I hadn't have done that and you know, wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. <laughs> I wish I had just, you know, slept on it. So now I really actively try to do that. Get an email. I'm pissed off. Just just mark it unread. Just leave it for tomorrow. Mm. Come back with a night of sleep, fresh perspective, and then you've thought about it a bit more. You've thought about, well, okay, well, why did that person send that email? What were they thinking when they sent that email? Mm, mm. Okay. And then you can be more measured in your reply. So I'm still working on that. I'm still actively taking my hand off the mouse and <laughs> stepping back from the computer. No, I'll just leave that. Um, yeah. Interesting you say that, like, you know, I have, I'm also uh, someone like you, like in terms of like what responding, I want to respond straight away mm. as well. But, I like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> all of us here. Just step back from the mouse. Yeah. One thing I do now, you know, you now sort of leave it for next day, right? What I do, I sort of reply the reply in a hurry. Get mm. that, you know. Considering other people's point of view and having that empathy, empathy and and just being more measured. And I think it's really important as a leader, you're, you're measured and, you know, considerate. And, you know, you've taken everything into account. doesn't mean you missed a nice guy all the time because I'm not. Mm. But it's, you know, if I make a decision, it, at least I know that I've really thought about it and I'm, you know, confident that I haven't just been a hothead. I've really thought about it. Mm. And what about, I'm just thinking about it now, sometimes I'll get an email like that and actually read it the next day that the person sent it to me and I'll, I'll feel a little bit differently about yeah. it as well. Yeah. But sometimes it can get me at a, a weird time. Exactly. Where, you know, because even sometimes I'll read emails that I send that are just fine. Like from my perspective, but y- I even read that back sometimes. I'm like, that's pretty direct. Yeah. The way. But I wasn't. You weren't I was, thinking about. I wasn't yeah. thinking about telling someone, you know, yeah, how it is. It just was. I just am a direct. Yeah, I, I am yeah. too. I'm. I'm a very direct person. Mm-hmm. Like what you see is what you get. I say what I think. You know, there's not much of a filter between my brain and my mouth. I just say what I, yeah. what I say, and so you know, like there's no my emotion out, and then put it into the draft. I don't send it. You know, you've got to be careful though. You know, yes. what happened to me before. It, There's some weird key combination that you do and yeah. I haven't worked out what it is yet, but you're typing away and all of a sudden the email goes whoosh. <laughs> it's true. Oh. It could happen. It could happen. And yeah. There's some weird combination yes. you do with your keys and it just shoots it off. Yes. That's true. happened to me before. Yeah. So careful. Oh. Right. Okay. Good advice. Because <laughs> I've been doing that. The thing is I want to get my emotion out and yeah. then I'm free. I'm not thinking about that. Then just delete the recipients if you're going to do Ex- that. No, I'm, that's exactly <laughs> right. I'm not replying that way. I just, you know, I, I uh, don't add that recipient. Definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just put it. And then sometimes I talk to my business partner about that. And sometimes she comes with a very different kind of an idea about mm. it. Instead of me tackling, uh, uh, sort of tackling that, or, you know, or go approach that myself. When you get someone else's perspective, you might get a better answer. Exactly. And that's all about emotional intelligence is thinking um, about things through and, and looking at situations from different perspectives. And there's there's no, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say something that I'm not. What I'm saying is actually just what I'm saying. There's no like pretext there at all. And But some people are, are not like that. And so some people might think that, you know, you're, you're trying to say something that you're not 
So it's, yeah, like it's just all about everyone thinks so differently and takes things in so differently and the way everyone's brain works it's it is so different and it's really fascinating yeah just to add to the same conversation like you know sometimes you have to be a bit patient like you know you need to read the body language of the you know the other person you might need to say that today but if you can hold it till next day like you know what you said it's going to be a very different perspective Mm. because the body language says like you're not ready to listen or you're not you know not not in the mood yeah, so it's it's something that I always encourage team members to do too. Do a do a day of emotional intelligence, just so everybody is on the same page and be, being mindful of how they come across. Like I said, because you might feel like you're being fine, but somebody thinks, "Whoa, <laughs> back off!" <laughs> and, and what brought your attention to the that topic? Like, what you said you've in the last few years, it's become something that you've you've really thought about, or it's come to your attention. What actually? Well, the happened. first the first time that I really did something that I wish I shouldn't have was when I was working in London. And it wasn't an instantaneous thing. Like I did have some time to think about it, but I had I got myself a bit riled up about something. And I, you know, had a meeting with the the manager and I, you know, voiced my issues. And and then just reflecting on that a few years later when I was, you know, had more experience and a bit more mature, I just like regret it. And I just wish I hadn't have done that. And, you know, and other situations where you just think, oh, I just wish I just had have taken a minute and just, just, you know, thought about what I was going to do first. So I guess it's just, you grow and you get more experience. You just think, you, you know, you reflect yeah. and I am a bit of a reflector and you know, because I do like to learn from my mistakes and I just, you know, if I think, oh, just, God, you're an idiot. I wish I hadn't have done that. I just actively try not to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in London, what do you wish you had have done instead? Just not done anything. Okay. I think, I think I just, I, oh, I don't know. It was a bit of a strange situation, but I just wish I had have just not been a bit of a hothead. Okay. basically that was also a super pressurized environment I, I i arrived in london at the beginning of the gfc right, in yeah. um like 2000 2008 as i arrived all the banks were collapsing around me it was a very awful time to arrive in london trying to look for a job anyway so i got a, a job at, at an investment bank and got put on a, a a fund accounting. I was a fund accountant there. Got put on a big job where I was the fund accountant for the TARP program. I don't know if you heard of the TARP program. It was when the US government was lending zero dollar interest to big corporations to re-stimulate the economy after the, the GFC collapse. So I was working with the Federal Reserve Bank in New York on that project. And that was really an intense situation. I was That was the job. You know, you've got a job in your career that really toughens you up. That's the job that really toughened me up, you know, working until, you know, you've missed the last tube home, but then go to the pub and, you know, drink (laughs) and come back to work the next day and do it all again, repeat, repeat, repeat. But that's what you go there for. It's fun. Anyway, so it was, it was a really high stress, high pressure job, but yeah, like it toughened me up really good, which is what I went there for. Right. Well, it's all it's all very interesting. I'm just trying to think of where I want to go now, but this is usually the part of the podcast where we get people to give advice to their younger self around leadership or perhaps their career growth in particular. Mm. I'm going to ask that for you, maybe of mid-20, if you go back in time, you think of what you're like in your mid-20s, what you'd say to yourself, but you can also take that as maybe 
what you'd say to someone else in their mid-20s because we've certainly covered a lot of what how you've evolved over time and how you've changed your your thinking and and whatnot well it's probably i would maybe give myself advice at a different time in my mid-20s i god i was killing it i loved it i went over to london lived my best life worked in investment bank pushed myself i did my cpa over there in london i remember taking my my textbooks in a backpack around turkey with me one time and tried to study there so like that was i did what i needed to do i followed my again i followed my gut my gut was telling me to to go overseas and travel and again the gfc was starting my family were like you're crazy why on earth would you go there when the financial world is collapsing and i'm like she'll be right it's fine (laughs) so i would i would tell my 25 year old self like you got this it's fine but it's just more my probably 35 year old self i would say to i don't know just take a step back and take a good hard look at yourself because you're not okay (laughs) and you are struggling and what your experience is is not normal it's it's not normal to be under so much stress and so much anxiety and be filled with dread when you open your eyes and you turn on mm. your emails and you're like, what shit show is going to be on today? Mm, like, yeah. that's how it was every day. I just wish I had have saw it then. Mm. I would have saved myself a lot of hard heartache. I would have saved myself 12 months of recovering from a breakdown. Mm. And I probably would have saved my husband and my kids a very unhappy cranky mum and wife yeah yeah well i'm just um thinking about a time when a similar thing happened to me but i it would followed me around all weekend as well so i don't know if that was like that for you but uh yeah you're dreading every day at work but also it was every day and every every weekend it was it was like i was doing it till i went to bed and usually i would you know log on to work after the kids Mm. were in bed and then I'd work to you know 11 o'clock midnight and get up and and it was just like it overtook my whole life I became Mm. so consumed by it it Mm. really did overtake every aspect of my life and literally open my eyes switch my airplane mode off emails download and like oh my god Mm. and then that dread of wow today is going to be the same the same and even worse than yesterday if that's possible and then it would be like weekends on holidays it just never like Mm. it it really did just take up my whole life and uh, but i I just didn't realize that that wasn't normal Mm. Mm. i honestly didn't Mm. because i came back from australia from london and i worked in that super you know investment bank craziness and then i came back to australia had started having kids and then I went into that and I just I just didn't know that that wasn't normal I thought Mm. every other working parent around me was doing the same thing Mm. and it's not even the kid thing I mean it's that whether I had kids or not I still would have been experiencing that kind of corporate culture but that just was the nail in the coffin for me that I also wasn't getting any sleep and I also had young children and I also had to have the mental load of library day and homework and all that Mm. kind of stuff and um, I think it's that mental load that a lot of parents struggle with is they just don't get to switch their brains off ever Mm. and it's exhausting it really is exhausting so i just wish i would tell myself literally just give yourself a break just give yourself a break you're just you're being over the top and you don't need to push yourself this hard to be successful Mm. yeah really really interesting and the thing is like meeting you today like coming in like you can actually see how happy you are though like you you kind of brought (laughs) like this energy even before we were talking you brought like this energy into the room that 
you know, I, I imagine that that's probably not what it was like five years no, ago. No, I was, um, I felt like I was a bit of a sad sack, honestly. Mm. Like I was moping around. I was just miserable. But Understandable, I, didn't, I think. <laughs> I didn't realize how miserable I was. Mm. I, I really didn't. And I, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I became happy again. And it took a long time. Like it honestly took a good 12 months to recover from that because I was just, the doctor just said, you are burnt out, completely mm. burnt out. And I remember vividly the first few months I started at NAC because I literally did a Friday, Monday situation as you do, finish finish one job, start the other. Right, Because okay. um, I kind of had no choice. But anyway, I remember the first few months I was recovering from that burnout and I would get home from work and literally go to bed with the kids at seven o'clock. I couldn't go, I couldn't go a single day in the weekend without having a nap. It used to make me really anxious about if we had planned, like say we'd planned to go to Dreamworld or going down to New South Wales to visit my family. It would make me really anxious if I hadn't, like if I knew I couldn't have a nap that day, I was thinking, how the hell am I actually going to stay awake? I felt like a toddler. Like I couldn't physically get through the day without having a nap. And that put a lot of toll, like a, a, a big toll on the family, like me being so just exhausted. And I remember so clearly like just at the park and, it was such an effort to put one foot in front of the other. I was so, so tired and so exhausted. Just all that caught up with me. And as soon as I'd finished that job, it just all caught up with me. And it took like so long, so long to get over it. And I, I like to exercise. I, I like to run. And I didn't do any of those things that I enjoyed for ages because I just didn't have the mental mm. space. I was too tired to do anything. Mm. So anyway, I feel bad that that's the kind of person I ended up being there for a while, but I'm glad that I, I I'm glad that I snapped because I, I'm so glad I'm not that person anymore and I'm, I'm happier. And like I was saying to you before, like with Christmas shopping, yes. I used to be that person who on the 20th of December, when I'd get the very last email saying, you have to order by midnight tonight <laughs> to get guaranteed express delivery. And I'd be like, oh God, what a drag Christmas. Just one other thing I've got to do. One other thing on my list. <laughs> got to think about it. Got to plan. I got to buy it. Um, and this year it's like November, and I've done it all. I'm actually looking forward to it. And the tree's up, and I'm like, oh, I've got, I've got energy again. And yeah, yep. everything comes early, then you're happy. Yeah, and it just, yeah, and it's so it's it's been a real eye opener now that I'm at the end of that journey that your life doesn't have to be like that. Mm. So if you're listening and you feel like now how I did then just, you know, here's a virtual slap in the face and just snap out of it. And it doesn't have to be like that. You can find other jobs that are way better, way more flexible. You have a better work-life balance. You'll be happier. Your kids will be happier. Your marriage will be better. Like it doesn't have to be like that. And if you're in that kind of a workplace, it's not normal. And don't, don't accept that as the norm. And if you're a manager and you're a leader and you're working in a place like that and you're even if you're not actively perpetuating that culture and you're there and you're still letting it happen, you're a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to have a good luck, good mm-hmm. hard look at themselves as well. Like almost passively condoning it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, nothing's going to change. So, mm-hmm. well, you know what? They can. They can. And I'm proof of that. Just True. If nothing's going to change where you are, then then remove yourself from the situation.
because yeah. there's genuinely some really good companies out there like Knack who mm. they really genuinely give a shit about mm. you. Mm. And that that's a you know, that's a big deal. It is, yeah. For sure. And and so on on that topic on on Knack, what's the next few years look like for you? What's it look like for the company moving forward oh, inc- into happier times? Yeah, yeah, incredible growth. So we've we've just commissioned a new warehouse over at Eagle Farm, which is three times the size. And our warehouse goes live there Monday, actually, and then we'll be pulling down all the racking in our warehouse and we're getting the office fit out at the moment and we'll be moving over there in February. So, like, it's really exciting times. We'll finally have the space to grow properly. And like I was saying to you before, that it's really dangerous if businesses grow too quickly. You know, growth isn't always a good thing if you're not prepared for it and if the business doesn't have the right foundations underneath it growth can just kill a business really quickly the walls will come crashing down before you know it so the new warehouse is one of those foundational things we've just put in a new computer system so the next few years is now that we've laid some foundations to keep making them stronger and keep tweaking and improving them and just really focus on that growth so you know taking down the multinationals, increasing our market share, getting into more countries overseas. We're just about to launch in the UK. We're pretty close to launching in the USA, which is a massive market. So next year, I'm really excited. I'll be, you know, pending COVID, I'll probably be doing a pretty big roadshow in March and getting to know all of our international distributors better and, you know, doing that flying around being yeah. a kick-ass yeah. businesswoman thing yeah. and I'll be you know my, I'll be just you know my 18 year old self will be so happy with yeah. me <laughs> yeah so it's all about growth and um and yeah that it's just all about growth and it's really exciting and I'm loving just I mean I never wanted to be an accountant like I said I accidentally did it because someone paid for my uni degree but it was you know I understood that it was a good foundation and I'm I'm glad that I have that foundation behind me because I think especially being a CEO, if you're a CEO who didn't have any financial background, I think it would be really hard because like, I know if someone's not telling me the right thing, I'm like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, so I, I'm actually an accountant, so yeah. yep. try again. Yep, but if you didn't have that knowledge, you could have the wool pulled over your eyes pretty so easily. True. So I'm, I'm really thankful that I've got that background because if we need to do any kind of, you know, corporate financey things at NAC, you know, I can take the lead on that and I know what I'm doing. Yep. And especially when we went through situations like COVID, you know, I managed a company that had literally no cash ever. So I was pretty good at managing a cash flow and making cash last. So when it hit, when COVID hit, I'm like, I can, you know, I can do this. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm glad I have that background behind me, but I'm also glad that I'm not doing any, any it anymore. Right. If I never have to do another set of financial statements, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying the strategy part of it and working on that international growth and the marketing and the sales and just seeing how the whole business comes together. Like I just, it's really interesting and I love the balance of how one business part of the business affects the other and tweak one thing over here and it, you know, pays dividends over there. And Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Yeah, I love, I love the position I'm in now. I think that was, you know, I think I always wanted to be that for a reason because I thought I, I knew that I would, it would suit me. You know, being a jack of all trades, master of none type type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, finance is always fun when you get out of finance. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Like the last time I did a month end or a year end, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm because I'm enjoying that journey as well. Yeah, no, I really love the commercial world. It's yeah, really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, well awesome. Uh, we might wrap up in a second. It's been really cool to get to know you today, Sonia. And uh, yeah, I meant that when I said that you come in and you, you do look very happy and oh, thank you. all that. So it almost seems like this has been good timing to do this now. Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't have been so good a couple of years ago. No, it wouldn't to- have been a very interesting podcast back then. <laughs> You'd be like, who is this miserable, sad sack of a person? Get out of my studio. I, I do think everything happens for a reason. Mm. And I don't think I would be appreciating it as much now if I hadn't have had the journey that I did and mm. yeah no I'm I'm super happy thanks for not making this a scary experience it's the first <laughs> time I've ever done something like this but it was good oh, you've done you've done really good and, and that, that was great to great to hear all that so uh, if anyone wanted to get in touch reach out to you or to NAC like where should where should people go they we're on all of the all of the social things, send me a LinkedIn or mm-hmm. like you can get in touch with me heaps of ways. Um, and if, and look, oh, I, I am happy if, if someone is going through that bit of a dark journey like I was, I am happy to, to talk to somebody and, you know, and if that would help them. And like I said, it took me a long time to really admit what was going on. I hid it from my family. I didn't even tell my family for ages, even right. though it was pretty obvious to them that something was going on. <laughs> And I didn't really even tell my husband for a while either. Like my best friend, I say she's a, she's really my therapist. She's my unpaid therapist. So <laughs> <Right>. tell, <laughs> tell her everything. But yeah, so I guess the purpose was to just make it not something that people have to hide. Just it's, it's not an indication of failure. Mm. It's just life and everybody's going through it. And if everyone just stops pretending that they're acing life when they're not acing it, you know, like we can be more supportive. And I think, leaders and business owners can be more mindful about how they can be more flexible and more inclusive and and at the end of the day if the job gets done like who cares Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. really just i just think there's this really outdated view of things Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, such a good line that one. The uh, yeah. if it gets done, who cares? Who cares? I love that line. Yeah. yeah, like just don't bother with me yep. in detail. Just do yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like I said, get out of people's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up there, Sonia. But thank you so much for coming in and and sharing your story. Thank um, you. I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot of value out of that. And yeah, really appreciate you being so so open with all that. It's not easy to do like i mean one thing we've got to remember is we do this all the time so asking someone else to come in and kind of you know open up to the world is yeah we've got to be mindful of that speaking of being mindful of what other people are going through eq yeah yeah so uh, you being all intelligent and very emotional who who knows maybe my eq is uh low but uh yeah awesome to awesome to get to know you thank Thank you you. for coming in uh we really appreciate it no worries thank you thank you very much sonia